The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD 10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP 20 Group, 10 is the most progressive and comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Welcome to this edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Mike Mangus, editor of Modern Tire Dealer. Tire dealership acquisition activities show no sign of stopping and more commercial tire dealerships are now getting in on the action. MTD Managing Editor Joy Kapcha and yours truly discuss this with Michael McGregor of Focus Investment Banking in this exclusive Modern Tire Dealer Show interview. So let's get to it. Michael, welcome back to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. Thanks, Mike. Hi, Joy. Good to have you, Michael. Good to be back. Good to, good to have you back on. So, you know, there's been a ton of uh, tire dealership merger and acquisition activity over the last couple of months, which is really continuing a trend that we've seen for the last couple of years. And, you know, recently yeah. Mavis Tire picked up Jack Williams Tire and uh-huh. on the East Coast, uh, McCarthy Tire picked up a couple of smaller uh, regional tire dealerships out west, yeah, Purcell yeah, yeah. Tire and Rubber, Percheron, Big Brand, yeah. Sun Auto, all of them continue to acquire other dealerships. What's What are you seeing out there, Michael, right now? More of all that. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned some of the big ones of late, but the, thinking back to the last quarter of 2021, I mean, we had Sun buying, oh, who were those guys out in the Midwest there? Plaza Tire. Plaza Tire, that was a big one. And at the same time, they did other multiple ones. And we had our client in the San Francisco Bay Area, Bruce's Tire, and then it just continued, you know. Um, So big picture wise, it's still going on. I think the latest wrinkle in 2022 is that you see an uptick in the commercial side of things, you know, with the McCarthy and the Piedmont Tire and, and, and Purcell and every, everything else. And that's a trend that's not going to slow down, I think, either on both sides. You know, commercial in particular, boy, been a lot of entrepreneurs that started the commercial tire business a long time ago, and there's lots more out there. And at the end of the day, those folks, when they want to do some kind of exit, they have to look within their own network of where they're strong. If you're strong Bridgestone, strong Gridier, strong Continental, you look around at who are the players in those. And eventually you end up working out a transaction with, with those folks, which I think works out for, for, for everyone. You know, as you guys know, we've talked in the past, like the commercial tire valuations aren't in the same stratosphere as the retail ones. Um, and so retail is still going on. Valuations are still very strong and uh, starting to hear a little bit, though, that some of the big ones have been picked over a bit on retail. So I I think, uh, you know, we'll continue to be surprised by who sells. But uh, someone recently once told me his general assumption is that everyone's for sale at any time for for a price. And uh, I think we'll continue to see that. 
the commercial trend has been really interesting, I think. And and Michael, you you some kind of predicted that last year in the pages of Modern Tire Dealer, one of your columns. You you talked about how commercial dealerships were ripe for acquisition, although you were focusing at the time a bit more on rural, smaller yeah. operations. But yeah, you know, it's yeah, you know, the rural ones, I I think they're still ripe out there. Um and, and the thing about the rural, the nature of that is, is a little different. They defy categories. They're going to be into oh, some wholesale. They're going to be in the commercial and, and multiple types of commercial. Because if you're in rural, hey, you're going to hit the truckers, but you're also going to do farm. And then they all do some retail. So I think they're still out there. And I think if somebody wants an interesting platform that all the other majors, whether it's retail or commercial, are not looking at, I think that's going to be happening on the rural side. Um, and I think the trend of Americans still going out to rural economies and where cost of living is lower and, uh, you know, the, the pace of living is slower. Oh, that, that rhymes. <laughs> I think lower that, and slower. I think, yeah. I think we're going to see a continued trend there, you know, especially with knowledge workers being able to work from anywhere. So, yeah, that, that opportunity is still out there. That's an interesting thing to be like an aspect of this whole equation is the idea that now so many, you know, tech companies and, and companies of all sizes and kinds are allowing their workers to, to live anywhere. I mean, it, it's interesting, I guess, to me to see how that trickles all the way down to tire dealership acquisitions and, yeah. and, and opportunities there. Yeah. And, and as you know, Mike's uh, upcoming uh, editorial, I think, Mike, you had an interesting piece there on the five-day work week, which, you know, we've all seen that more and more tire dealers are adopting to. I think that that trend is, is there for the same reason that knowledge workers, you know, they'll figure out a way to get their, their car in. They want to save the weekends for themselves. And, uh, you know, tire dealers, I think, uh, with different models can kind of benefit from some of these things, make their lives better, too. Michael, you must have an amazing crystal ball in your office because you also talked about the move to a five-day work week becoming more prevalent uh, last year in another column that you wrote yeah. for MTD. So, yeah. uh, no, you might be in the wrong line of work. I, I, no, I'm just, you know what? I out there and I try to talk to a lot of people in the business and some of my clients. I mean, they're way smarter than me. And when I see stuff like that, I kind of go, what the hell's going on here? I mean, you know, because I'm used to, you know, seven days a week, right? Mm -hmm. And when these people can show that they're doing better and their employees are happier on a five-day work week, hard to argue with that. We have not heard a lot out of Monroe lately. Just something I wanted to talk to you about. They yeah. they seem to be on a, an acquisition spree there for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So typically, when you see stuff like that, I, I know they're busy. I know they probably have stuff in their pipeline um, because I talked to a lot of these folks, the Pertrons, the you know big brands of the world, and 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 the Mavis people. So I think they have activity. It probably just hasn't announced yet. Um, but I think a general, I can't see a trend, but okay, I'll say this big picture wise here at focus, we're working a lot of different industries, whether it is healthcare, it mm -hmm. advanced manufacturing, increasingly, we're seeing the private equity platforms that are private willing to pay, 
pay significantly higher prices than perhaps the straight strategics are. And I would put Monroe in that category of being a public strategic acquirer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these acquirers, they're, they're, they're willing to pay and kind of bet on the hopes that it kind of works out after they integrate it. And I think some of those, maybe some of the ones that Monroe wanted to get, they might have been outbid on. I don't know exactly. Suffice it to say, if you are a multi-store chain and you have a great reputation and a good business, if you're smart, you're going to reach out to Monroe and these other folks. And, uh, and maybe just Monroe has, has gotten outbid. But I do know uh, in my conversations with them in the past, they got a lot on their plate and they probably will just have to see, you know, they, they, all these people tend to keep this stuff very private and quiet. <laughs> it's very right. confidential, right? And they don't often, they don't rarely publish numbers about how exactly these deals went down and at what valuations. But uh, we think they're still good. They're still good out there. Yeah. And it does seem like too Monroe has, at least in the last, I don't know, year, maybe two, maybe longer. It's like they've kind of held on to those announcements until they do their quarterly earnings. Do they? Okay. Than, yeah. So, so it yes. might just be a matter of a matter of timing, I think. Yeah. So. You are the, I forget, you are the expert on Monroe, right, Joy? You <laughs> listen to all those things. You are the... <laughs> The leading scholar on that company, most likely. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I think you know a lot about them, yeah. Michael. So, <laughs> well, you know what what is interesting. We're not talking right now about the you know the tire company stores, uh, but you see a lot about these tire companies and their investments that they're making in mobility and uh, oh stuff of that nature. You know, like uh, on the information side of things. I wonder if they're out ahead of the curve on a lot of other, a lot of us, you know, on, on the multi-store thing. Um, so curious to see, you know, I don't think we talk a lot about that. You guys always publish when they, when they make those investments, but I think they're those, some of those investments, like they made most investments rather in, you know, mobile tire, you know, mm-hmm. maybe those haven't paid off exactly yet, but that's the type of thing. I don't think Mavis is doing it. I think we definitely see the, you know, uh, Renault Thomas America's tire discount tire doing stuff like that as well. Um, but and what's, what's interesting is the, uh, the company store, uh, thing has remained kind of, I, I don't want to use the word stagnant, but yeah, you know, you know, Bridgestone has still roughly 2,200 company right. owned stores under right. a variety of different brand names. Goodyear right. still roughly has around 570 stores. Nokian, yep. of course, is completely out of that business. Yeah. Um, the, 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 tr- the trend with the tire companies is definitely the divestiture of the commercial stores. We've seen it with GCR, mm-hmm. seen it in the past with Goodyear, kind of see it with uh, Continental. You remember uh, one of their good, quote unquote, franchisees acquired a bit too. So I think we could say there's a trend there. For sure. Yeah, that was Conlon Tire. I think they yeah. picked up what right. five or six best drive locations from right. Conti last year, right. and right. and boy, that GCR sell off was something to to watch. I, I think McCarthy mm-hmm. picked up close to what eighteen or nineteen different GCR locations, yeah. Southern Tire Mart, and Pomps Tire up in in Wisconsin. Each picked up close to twenty. Yeah, yep. GCR. It's, it, it's a trend, and it's also a signal. You know, I think. Bridgestone would probably say, no, we're very happy with what we have. We remain strong here and there. 
you just don't know. <laughs> you give it a couple of years and we'll see what happens. Well, and there's been, I mean, the, the commercial business is still booming right yeah. now. I mean, it roared back with a vengeance last year. I, th- I think the, the market was up uh, close to 25% year over year in 2021 and, and hasn't uh-huh. slowed down yet. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's translating to the bottom line too, because expenses up or across the board. You know, I think that the latest r- interesting wrinkle here is you got Mavis acquiring Jack Williams, which had a lot of wholesale. And uh, Mavis looks like they're doubling down on the wholesale side of things too, to become that. I, I find that pretty interesting. And uh, I would think that if they've got a strong presence in that, they're going to see what they could do to keep that business segment growing. So, because wholesale has been a little quiet, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the, the, the Mavis Jack Williams deal is something that I didn't see coming. Um, I'll, I'll admit. Uh, yeah, we never quite do. I never saw the plaza thing, <laughs> right? Um, neither but, did yeah. we. And that yeah, happened, what, last year around November, December yeah, timeframe? To, to uh, Linda last year, yeah. 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 yeah so, so, you know, one, mm-hmm. one thing we wanted to talk about, Michael, is yeah. kind of the prognosis, go, prognosis going forward, right, from right. mergers and acquisitions with mm-hmm. all the headlines we're seeing about uh, inflation being at a multi-decade high and interest rates starting to rise again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think this is going to have a damping effect or a dampening effect on uh, the mer- mergers and acquisition activity at the dealer uh- level? I'll hedge. You know, of late, we've seen, uh, you know, the Fed raising interest rates a little bit. We've seen the impact that it has on the stock market, which has been really, really resilient through some pretty bad downturns over the last couple of decades. But the thing that could counter all of that stuff when it comes to activity, activity and mergers acquisitions is the fact that private equity is the player in the business. I mentioned earlier, sometimes they're high bidder. They got trillions of cash sitting on the sidelines. And those people, they make money, first of all, getting money together and they make a management fee. So if they do nothing, they get a man. But at some point, they got to give it back if they don't invest it. And the way they keep their machine going is by investing and getting good returns for their investors. So that is kind of a hedge to a certain extent because Private equity has discovered automotive in a variety of different categories because that focus, we're in automotive parts, we're in the wholesale, we're into the commercial, retail, we're into a lot of different things on the automotive side. And we just see private equity interest, we see their interest in all these various categories growing, you know, so more and more want to get in, (laughs) right? There's always new ones that say, hey, you know, we'd like to see what you have in this category and that. So anyway, that's, that's my only caveat there is that um, just the fact that there is a lot of money to be invested in good companies, uh, that may counter some other cyclical events that may happen. And then Michael, so then would that potentially dry up a bit as we you know, only have smaller operations in the yeah. tire business to you know, available? Well, I, I've heard of late from some, you know, some of these big consolidators, man, a lot of the big ones are getting picked up. They're just going to have to get creative and maybe do what we did in Phoenix, you know, basically 
focus was involved in the transaction, we, we put three players together to total about 30 million in revenue in 14 locations that didn't conflict. They're going to have to get creative. I've mentioned in past columns that I really think the whole just straight automotive business, non-tire, those are other locations that can perhaps be consolidated by, consolidated by these players. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to have to do some greenfields as well. You know, they're going to have to go out and start building some stores. And uh, I tell you, some of these, some of these players, the tire discounters of the world, some of these others, when they put a new store and they, they reach break even pretty quick. I always thought that, man, it's like a couple three year slog to get the break even. They put a store in the right location. That thing could be turned in a profit in, in a reasonable amount of time. So that return on investment is pretty good. So Long story short, it always makes sense to have a mix of organic growth through your own store, uh, you know, development, as well as acquisition. And maybe we see more of a shift to that. But um, I think there's some larger players still out there. And then, you know, you never know what the big company-owned store groups do. At some point, some people get so large, they go, you know, maybe we'll just kind of stay in this part of the country. Let's sell this up. We haven't quite seen that yet, but you know, we're everybody's interested. The, everybody that does what I do is interested in corporate divestitures, and so you never know how that plays into the mix, if you will. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we've seen that pattern, uh, you know, establish itself when Michelin had uh, TCI years ago, yeah. Yeah. which it, which it actually acquired from yeah. somebody else. And then they began divesting uh, TCI locations around 10 to 15 years ago and previously mentioned GCR. Yeah. Not yeah. sure if Goodyear has any plans to divest any what? of its uh, Wingfoot commercial truck tire service centers. Or their retail. You know, Mike, we, we both lived through the you know, Firestone and Goodyear times, we both work for those companies. And I t- historically, they had a good company-owned store guy want to go on his own, they turn him into a dealer. So they they kind of selectively had divested some retail locations over the year. Goodyear has, and, and Firestone did as well. I think that pendulum swung back. Again, you just don't know what's going to go on in the future. And mm-hmm. the whole m- mobile angle you know, when you're talking about growth and new locations, Joy, I mean, I wrote that column recently about mobile. So imagine you're a, oh, I'll pick San Francisco. Imagine you're a tire retailer in San Francisco Bay Area and you have a large 5 million Bay facility. You know, real estate's so expensive. How do you grow that brand when real estate is the driving cost and then you got employees? I would go mobile. <laughs> you could go all throughout the San Francisco Bay Area with mobile. So if you're whatever, Joe's Tire of San Francisco, Joe's Mobile Tire of San Francisco, and you could have people living all throughout the Bay Area doing it that way. And those models are increasingly becoming profitable. A lot of those folks I talk to, I mean, I sincerely got the impression that they're making money. They are EBITDA positive. So how does that play into the retail-centric model? You know, we don't know yet to see. And then, you know, still, you know, the direct to consumer, um, the, the, you know, the websites that uh, those guys out East, I guess a lot of folks are, are, are trying it and same with Tire Rack. To what extent that starts to erode um, tire store uh, market share. I think one of the interesting things that one of the gentlemen in, in the column on mobile that I uh, quoted, he said, you know, 
a lot of people increasingly value convenience. There's you either get convenience or you get value customers. And his premise is that the convenience customer pays more for it, might be a higher margin customer. These retail-centric, these location-centric businesses might simply attract value customers over time. What's that going to do to the whole thing? I have to tell you guys, I used to think there was a boring business. <laughs> it's changing. <laughs> a lot of stuff is going on mm-hmm. and it's kind of wild. It's wild and to see who, and you can't predict today who the winners and losers will be down the road. You just can't. Yeah. Well, in the, well, in the, and all the partnerships that are, you know, that are yeah. possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, you just mentioned Tire Rack. I mean, yeah, I think we've said before we didn't see Tire Rack. I know Tire coming. Discount Tire proving that hey, they're pretty innovative. They're willing to you know risk a lot. I think it was a smart move. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Well, it sounds like uh, we'll continue to see a lot of activity in the, in the rest of the year and in the coming year. Michael, mm-hmm. for all the, the reasons that you listed and probably some more, but wanted to thank you again for coming on the Modern Tire Dealer show today to talk tire industry stuff with us. Really appreciate it. And thank you, for, thank you for lending your valuable insight as somebody who lives and breathes this sort of thing every day. Well, I appreciate, appreciate the platform and appreciate the opportunity to write for Modern Tire Dealer. And, you know, uh, I think we're all just trying to help uh, independent tire dealers run better businesses and find their place in the world. And uh, I think we're all helping towards that. Thank you. That's what it's all about. Thanks for your contributions, Michael. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Joy. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Modern Tire Dealer Show. To reach Michael McGregor, email him at michael.mcgregor at focusbankers.com. That's F-O-C-U-S. B-A-N-K-E-R-S dot com. We'll talk to you soon. The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD 10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP 20 Group, 10 is the most progressive and comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com.